Welcome to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. Welcome to episode 10 in season 2 of this podcast. I'm Lindsay McMurrin, a citizen of the Leech Lake Nation of Ojibwe and living in northern Minnesota. I'm a mother, a daughter, an auntie, a professional, and a caring community member approaching this work from all of those lenses with humility, compassion, and understanding as the uniting force. I look forward to leading the conversation over the next few episodes of Remembering Resilience. I'm so thankful for my friends and colleagues at University of Minnesota Extension, Susan Bolio and Brianna Matrias, for taking us on a journey in our first three episodes this season, where they explored healing practices and modalities through an indigenous lens. We wanted to take some time to dig further into what we can do as individuals, families, and communities to create those protective buffer systems to support one another as we work through trauma, truths, and healing, both individually and collectively. In this episode, we will look at what we can do at an individual level to strengthen our own ability to be present with whatever life may throw at us and to find opportunities to learn and grow through it all. In episode 11, we will explore the role of relationships in supporting healing and well-being. And in episode 12, we'll take a look at the importance of community, culture, and spirituality for individual and collective well-being. Miigwech, Lindsay. Nikana benesi kwe nindijnakaz, megazin nindodem, miskwagame wazaga iginin nindonjiba. My name is Susan Bolio, and I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota. I'm a mother of four and live in central Minnesota with my family. It's great to be a part of these conversations. I'm really looking forward to our topic today. When the three of us get together, there is never a shortage of things to talk about. Bujou, Nawakamagukwe Indishnakas, Nameyandudame, Ajmugandunjaba. Hello, my name is Brianna Matrias, and I'm an enrolled member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe. I am passionate about these topics, and thank you both for this conversation today. Miigwech. In episodes 10, 11, and 12, we have changed up the format to be more conversational as we discuss our personal and professional experiences as Indigenous women working with and learning about these concepts. Although this podcast series was developed for Indigenous people by Indigenous people, we recognize we are all Indigenous to some place on this earth, and it is our indigeneity that reminds us that we are interconnected and part of a much larger whole. This traditional knowledge can benefit everyone and may even impact your own healing, so all are welcome to join us on this journey. Speaking of healing, resilience is a term we often hear. Lindsay, how do you talk about resilience in your work? So I think we all know that resilience is a new buzzword these days. Um, And while I appreciate that there's conversation around the concept, I think there's a lot of ways it can be damaging if it isn't applied um, correctly. Um, So often when I hear that term, 
people will respond with uh, the definition, you know, somebody's ability to bounce back after hard times. Well, there's truth in that. I think we also need to recognize that when we're talking about resilience, for it to be most effective, it's not just an individual's ability to bounce back. We also need to take into account the relationships, uh, the supports that they have in their life, the access to opportunity and resources, um, connection to something bigger than themselves, whether it's community or specifically through culture uh, or, you know, affiliation with enjoying doing a similar hobby. Um, and then, of course, that larger overarching protective system of spirituality, whatever that might mean to an individual. I think this conversation is especially important right now, given the stressful times that we're all living in and moving through. And I think my own ability fluctuates from day to day in terms of where I feel like I am at. Um, and it just makes me think of how important it is to have these conversations uh, with trusted friends and colleagues and how lonesome it is when we are in isolation. And we know one of the big things through this pandemic we've all been aware of is the idea of social distancing um, to keep our community safe. However, there was some reframing um, that I heard at the beginning of the pandemic. Rather than talking about socially distancing, we're really just physically distancing because it is so important to maintain that social connection, especially when we might be feeling vulnerable or isolated or, or struggling ourselves through these stressful times. So thank you, Susan and Brianna, for joining me in this conversation today. And I'd like to just take a few moments to hear from each of you. I so appreciate you asking us to have this conversation with you, Lindsay, because um, honestly, like this is something that that I've been str really struggling with for even the last three weeks, especially myself. So we've all had a really difficult last 18 months plus with everything that's been going on with with COVID and um and in fact, just last night, I was sort of listing off all of the things that have happened in the last 18 months and uh, for just, you know, in general, and then also for me personally in my life. And, and that was the first time that it really hit me like, yeah, it makes sense why I hit a wall. You can't run 100 miles an hour forever. You know, that there, there are times where we do have to slow down and, um, and I, I feel similar to you, Lindsay, in that I feel super grateful that I've um, had the opportunity to learn and to practice with amazing people tools to help try to regulate my nervous system, um, relationships. I have incredible friendships I am so grateful for, and I know I would not have um, done well this last 18 months without my, my closest friends. Um, and... Uh, and, and that larger, you know, wrong is also very much there, my connection to spirituality and something greater than myself. And so all of those pieces are there for me. And the last three weeks have sucked. <laughs> they have been so difficult. And um, just even last night, I was driving home. My One of my daughters had a soccer tournament all weekend. And that meant the three-year-old didn't get a nap yesterday. And we're driving home. And he's whining about everything. And I probably took 
35 to 40 deep breaths and really slow exhales. It was like a very long two hour <laughs> drive. So, you know, and, and even then I could feel myself right at the cusp the whole time. And I thought, what would I do if I, if, if, if I didn't have these tools and if I um, was trying to do this on my own. So I, I think you're absolutely right. And the balance of having the tools and having the relationships, like even having, you know, like Brianna and I, and I have some other friends, like opportunities to practice together. There's some, practicing yourself is wonderful. It, I, I enjoy meditating by myself, but there's something so much more powerful about um, practicing with others. Um, so it, <laughs> I think you and I have sort of talked a little bit about this too, Lindsay, is like the last three weeks for me have really been um, humbling and a reminder um, that none of us have it figured out, that, you know, um, there are things that are constantly coming up in life, and just because we don't get it right this time, you know, it doesn't make us a failure, and all, you know, it, it, what I noticed is my own programming of noticing the times I'm not getting it right compared to all the times that I have gotten it right, and so sometimes just trying to, and as I'm saying this, I'm like, oh yeah, Susan, this is a reminder to focus on when you get it right. Recognize, yes, when you didn't, what can you learn from it, but I know there are more times that I'm getting it right than not, but we tend to focus on the times that we don't. And so reframing that too, and like, hey, we're human, and we might have all the tools, but sometimes the tools are too, are too heavy to pick up alone, and sometimes we need help doing that. So, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that because we are wired to be in connection with one another. So. Um, I'll share that my uh, ex-husband and I decided that we were going to go through a divorce. And, and that, was, that was literally the end of February um, going into March. And had we have known <laughs> that COVID was going to strike and everybody was going to need to be in quarantine, um, I, I don't know if that would have changed our, our thought process on that and, you know, what we were going to do. But um, so all throughout quarantine and this pandemic, uh, for me, um, I was dealing with a loss, a, a major loss in my life. And um, quarantine and, and COVID has been bittersweet for me because it has allowed me to stop and slow down a bit. And like Susan had mentioned, like, I'm thankful that I've, that I have the knowledge and the skills you know, to be able to know what to do when grief comes and those waves come, like, I do have those skills. And so it was really putting that to work and, and <laughs> getting some practice time with, with that grief and loss and, and getting myself into a better place. Had COVID not hit and, and still continuing to move through that loss, I would have worked myself to death because that's just, what I've always grown up knowing that's how you deal with things. Like that's how, that's, that's, that's how you handle things. You know, if you get so busy doing all these things that you don't have time to worry about all this emotional stuff that comes up, you know, so it's a great trauma response. And I will just share that that's not a good positive trauma response. Do not do that. But quarantine, like I said, has allowed me 
had allowed me to, to stop, um, feel my emotions. And I sought out healing every single day. So yeah, so when I think about uh, resilience, you know, it's, it's, it's moving through it, right? It's moving through these difficult times. It's, it's, it's how we respond, you know, it's, what are we, what are we doing after the negative hits, after life challenges us, after, you know, through the struggles, like, what are we doing with that? And I think that's so important, you know, when grief would come on, you know, like I said, I, I sought out healing every single day. I was journaling, I was exercising, I started up a spiritual practice, um, you know, reading books, like taking care of myself. Like I was, I was full of intention every single day to make sure that I didn't dip, dip below, um, that line and, and get into a really low spot because in the past, um, uh, you know, that's, that's where I've, I've been, you know, so, um, but again, I, I, like Susan, you know, I could go on and on and on and on about that stuff, but I think, um, it's, um, you know, that, that for me, I think about resilience and that has really, um, taking those skills and really using it and putting it to action, um, has really helped me, um, move through that, that grief and, and loss. So, yeah, thank you. You're listening to Remembering Resilience. Miigwech for joining us. We're talking about the many struggles we've all navigated in our current times and how we've each discovered through our own journeys that fostering our own growth and taking time to take care of ourselves helps us to care for others and our community even more effectively. We delve back into how self-care and building those skill sets that rely on our traditional ways can be a point of strength for many of us when approached in a good way. You know, I think of of what you were mentioning about busyness and how mainstream society rewards that, right? When in fact, oftentimes it is a coping mechanism that, you know, with all things not used in moderation, um, can be really harmful. And so I think about that too in terms of our communities. You know, as Native women, I think that drive to help people um, which we are so uh, honored to be able to do um, in our both in our professional roles, right, as well as many personal roles that we hold. I think that drive sometimes can be harmful when we aren't taking the time to take care of ourselves and to nourish ourselves through that process. You know, there's such a huge push um, to think about self-care, and I think that that's not always conceptualized the right way. Um, Oftentimes in mainstream society, you hear self-care, people go to bubble baths and eating too much chocolate and drinking too much wine Um, or spending all kinds of money, you know, with expensive spa treatments. Granted, uh, you know, I enjoy a nice pedicure or a massage just like the next person. 
However, that's not realistic to to always envision that as your your way of getting that self-care. And so the more and more work that I've been doing and shifting that narrative within me even to be thinking about self-care, first and foremost, as necessary, um, not a luxury, right? And it's necessary because we need to be able to take care of ourselves. And for me, here is the the part that drives it home. We need to be able to take care of ourselves so we can care for others even more effectively. And so that idea uh, for me in indigenizing, if you will, self-care is that self-care is community care. When we're caring for ourselves, when we're practicing um, the same skill sets and tools we're, we're endeavoring to teach each other and, and to bring to our communities, you know, people are watching People are watching us too. And oftentimes that can lead another level of anxiety, right? Of, of making sure we get it right all the time. That isn't realistic, but it is about what we do after we even make mistakes. I use that example a lot when I'm out uh, in the community, whether it's doing presentations or teaching or having conversations or these concepts, you know, especially as a parent, <laughs> I, I name my mistakes. There's times with my kids where I don't take that moment to take those deep breaths or, or to step away. Uh, and I know that I'm dysregulated, right? I'm not in a good place. But I, I don't make the choice I would necessarily uh, when I'm in my best uh, thinking brain, so to speak. And so I might yell, I might raise my voice, I might snap at one of my kiddos. And to me, the learning takes place um, when our kids see things like that happen, see us make a mistake. And then when we can go back and return to that conversation and say, you know what, son, mom was super stressed out. I shouldn't have snapped at you. I should have taken a minute to calm down first. Will you forgive me? And what can we do next? And I think so often we forget that when we're teaching, it's not just about what we're about what's taught, but it's also about what's caught, right? Like what example are people seeing us set? And, and that's not to put more pressure on us, um, but rather to be able to extend grace to ourselves and to each other to know that we're going to make mistakes too. Um, and that that in itself can be a lesson for ourselves and, and for those around us. Yeah. Lindsay, this, so there's so many points that you hit on that I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, and that, and that. Um, when you were talking about like self-care um, and the importance of that, one of the things that I, um, and not that I've been practicing it super well, but it was an insight I have that I've been trying to do more often. Um, so I would sort of think like, you know, they'd say like, so I do meditations and I run meditations. I do meditations myself, but like this belief that, well, if you do the meditation in the morning, it sets your day and da, da, da. So I sort of had this belief like, okay, so I'll do my meditations in the morning, sort of ground set for the day. And then I'm good. And, um, there was one day that it was in the afternoon. I don't remember exactly what happened, but I found myself, I was just completely dysregulated. I remember having the thought like, but you did your meditation this morning. And then the very next thought was, yeah, and a lot's happened between then and now. So it's not enough to just do self-care or regulate once a day. Like it's something that I need to keep coming back to throughout the day, like checking in, like where am I at now before I get to the point of being so dysregulated that it's hard to like re-regulate. Because these things, 
they, they stack on over time, right? And so the more we can sort of like deal with it as soon as this one comes, I deal with it. I do whatever I need for self-care. It might be getting up and moving my body. It might be going to get a drink of water. It might be writing a, a, a quick journal, like whatever it is, right? And then you can go into the next thing. So that was one of the things. And then you were talking about self-care as community care. And my advisor, Dr. Melissa Walls, who's brilliant, um, so just put a plug in for her. Um, I remember sitting in at a conference um, and she was sharing about some research that they had done, and that actually was one of their findings in indigenous communities, was people really having this belief and understanding that self-care is community care, that when we take care of ourselves, we are better able to take care of our community, and that then makes it an essential component um, for us to do good work and be in community in a good way, to be in relationships in a good way. So it's not selfish at all, it actually is essential. Um, I also, I mean, I know I touched on it a little bit and I was talking about sort of like authenticity and like that you were talking about that imposter syndrome and I've totally had that, especially over the last three weeks and the first week of school that, you know, I homeschooled the girls last year. So this year they're back in school, which creates a whole nother level of anxiety with them not being vaccinated and living in an area where it feels like not everyone takes it seriously and, you know, with masking and stuff. And so that's been, you know, a big thing for me. And, um, that first week of school, I, I could hardly keep any food down. I would get drop the girls off, come home, go running to the bathroom, dry heaving. Like that's how high my anxiety was. I was just completely dysregulated. And I had a call, <laughs> a standing meeting one morning, and um, I had my camera off just because I was so dysregulated. And I just I I was knew I was on the verge. And <laughs> the lady asked, like, so how are you doing? And I just start bawling. And I have a conversation with her about sort of what's going on. And then, and she, it was Danielle, Brianna. So, you know, she's great. So she was like, well, why don't you take the, cause like my whole day was just jam packed. And, um, I had a group I had to run next and then I had a big presentation and it was just like thing after thing after thing. And so she's like, well, why don't you take the rest of our call and go meditate or do whatever you need, take some time for you. And then, and, and so I did. And, um, and so the next thing I did, I did a meditation and the next thing I did was I had to run a group. Well, so doing that meditation grounded me enough to be able to run the group, but I was really honest with them. And I just said like, Hey, look, I just broke down in a meeting and I just sort of told them what happened and that I did. And there was a part like probably a year ago, I wouldn't have been that real with, you know, cause this, these are people that are like in treatment and what, you know, like feeling like I have to look like I'm always put together and whatever. And, and one of the women said to me, I so appreciate your authenticity, right? Like it was so well received. Like you are human too. Like that means if I have a bad day, that doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I'm having a bad day. So I think yes. you're absolutely right in that, like setting the example, we think setting the example means we have to show perfection. But then what we do is we set people up for unrealistic expectations, especially including ourselves. So, and then our kids and how that all ripples out. And so that authenticity piece is something that I have felt more and more called to just be real with people when, you know, when things are difficult that, no, I don't have it all together. I'm still very much learning like the next person. Um, but, um, yeah, so, so that, and then the, um, another thing that you were talking about is, you know, when we are 
really stressed out, we might not always take those moments to take a deep breath before we respond to our kids or or whatever it might be, that email or um, whatever, a coworker. Um, And it just reminds me of like when we, when we talk about the brain science, right. And how like in those times of a big stress of whatever it is, like the thinking part of the brain goes offline and those well-worn pathways kick in. So it's like, I think about the amount of time that I have spent in my life, um, going down one set of neural pathways, my old, you know, ways of dealing with stuff versus my new ways. So my new way, I've only been working on it for the last five years or so. I'm 42. So I've spent a lot more years in those other pathways. And so that, that too has helped me in the last couple of weeks to remember, like in these times of really big stress, our brain goes back to those really well-worn pathways. And so it makes sense that I haven't gotten it right all the time and that it does take time to build those new neural pathways and we just got to keep at it. You're listening to Remembering Resilience, a podcast by Native Americans on Native American resilience through and beyond trauma. We've been talking with my friends and colleagues, Susan Bolio and Brianna Matrius, about different aspects of healing, including the role and responsibility of the individual and the community in our healing process. To kind of share my perspective, um, Lindsay, you had mentioned many things that really resonated with me. Number one, um, self-care. So when I was going through this process right before COVID, um, gosh, I had to come to terms with a lot of things. And we talk about like how we show up in community and our, you know, what do we want to role model? And, you know, there's this added pressure that, okay, like you have to be perfect. You know, you, you teach the stuff in the community, like all right, you know, and so there's this added pressure. And so one of the things that was really difficult for me, um, and don't get me wrong, like I've struggled this for ever since I made a commitment to be on my healing journey that, um, that I've always struggled with it. And it was this notion of like self-care. Um, because I think about what does self-care really mean? And so I think for a lot of us and for those, um, who may be listening for me, this notion of like self-care, like I had to really truly figure out what does self-care mean to me. Um, One of the things that I often experience with the work that I do out there in the communities is, um, you know, when life throws us struggles and challenges, what do we do in order to take care of ourselves? And so I think about what is modeled within our family and you know, to be completely honest with you, what was modeled in my family was, like I said, you know, I shared that in the beginning is you work, you know, you, you keep yourself busy. That's, that's how you take care of yourself. Um, and so it was really difficult to wrap my head around what self-care was. How do I take care of myself? You know, and I think for those who have been in the same position where they've gone through a divorce, um, you put so much time and energy into that relationship and you just kind of lose yourself. And, and that's exactly where I was sitting. So not only was I dealing with the, 
the loss of a marriage, but now I had to figure out from scratch, like how to take care of myself. And I know that may sound silly, but it was, it was kind of like, okay, Brie, you've got the skills, you have the tools, um, now get to work kind of thing, because you are, um, you do have people that are watching you, not only the community, but also your friends and your family and your nieces and your nephews, like everybody's watching you, how you handle this situation. And, um, like Susan said, we're not perfect, right? I mean, there's still stuff that I'm, um, learning and growing from, but this notion of self-care was, was, although it seems so simple for me, it was very difficult. And, and it still continues to be very difficult if, if I can be honest. Um, one of the things that I started with was washing my face. I wanted, I always wanted to start up a skincare regimen, you know, and really take care of my face. And for whatever reason, I never had the chance to do that. I never put that as a priority. I was always worried about everybody else and worried about my marriage and my relationship and how to keep things together that I just put myself on the back burner. Um, and so I, I, I started off simple and washing my face. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I, I think about that and I'm still learning those ways to take care of myself. Um, but I think it's, it's, it, it was, it was bittersweet and, and there's a beautiful side to it too. Like it's bittersweet in the fact that when life happens and when life throws you challenges that, um, that sometimes within our families, we're shown, you know, the, the bad side of, of coping mechanisms, the negative pieces to it. Um, you know, the alcohol, the drugs, the, this, the, that, you know, um, to, to try to cope with our, with our grief, our sadness, um, those hard emotions that come up. Right. But also it is, it's beautiful because if you've never been shown that you have a blank canvas to figure out what it needs to be for you, you know? Um, and so you don't have to put a box around what self-care is for yourself. Like you can open that baby wide open and just, and, and start, you know, for me, it was starting by washing my face. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I did many things to bring healing to me and to take care of myself. And, and I could go on and on and on about what those, those things are. But, um, I think when you aren't really sure that if you can allow yourself to take those pressures off and to take those, um, to kind of break down those walls a little bit, like self-care and healing can be whatever it needs to be for you, you know, and to be on that road of like curiosity and, um, seeking, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a, a quote out there by Rumi that says, um, what you are seeking is seeking you. And so it's like, whoo, those things kind of come together. Um, once you start, um, reaching out for it, once you, once you start seeking out for it, it'll come to you and it'll come in, come into your life. Yeah. Thanks, Brianna. You know, part of what I was thinking as you were describing, um, just beginning with washing your face, right? Taking that first step um, is so crucial. I think back to to research Susan has shared with me before, too, about um, the power in setting just those small goals. Um, and goals so small that it's hard to fail at, right? Um, 
And, and I think about that because so often I think when we think of what we need, um, where we eventually want to be, it can be overwhelming to think about that, the, the enormity of the healing that needs to happen or the steps we need to take to get there. However, so often it's just about taking that first step. I think the the last thing that I'd say is just to sort of connect these dots, uh, maybe to the first, this episode, and then the next one is that um, we really only have a certain amount of energy and sort of whatever we focus on is what we give our energy to. So if we are putting energy into self-care, it actually can help create even more energy to be able to do the things that are important to us, to be able to do this work in the communities, um, to be able to show up in the ways that we want as a parent or a partner or a friend or whatever. Um, And on the other hand, if we don't put our energy into doing that self-care and we're focusing on all these other things, then that energy is going away from us and there's no energy coming back in to refill us. So um, just, again, when we're thinking about relationships, which I know we'll talk about in the next piece, Lindsay, but that self-care is essential for us to be at our best when we're in relationships. Couldn't agree more. So thankful for the two of you as our co-host team, uh, for all of our listeners for joining in. I think one of the most important messages we hope you hear us uh, reiterating in our time together is how important it is to be in community. And sometimes community can be found in many ways, including listening to these podcasts, um, finding out ways for yourself that you can reconnect um, that you can unearth maybe new pathways that you need to take on your own healing journeys. And we just hope to continue to provide uh, insight and support and our own authenticity and vulnerability as we move through these healing spaces, both individually and collectively. Miigwech to Susan Bolio and Brianna Matrius for their time, expertise, wisdom, and most importantly, their stories in helping us understand and conceptualize what individual resilience and healing means to each of us, both as individuals and as members of a community, as we strive towards wellness and healing for all. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Remembering Resilience. We hope to see you soon for our next episode as we continue this important conversation. You can find the full Remembering Resilience series at rememberingresilience.home.blog. Music during today's conversation is thanks to the Oshke Gishik Singers. The Oshke Gishik Singers are a community of Native American women singers from the Fond du Lac Duluth area. This podcast is developed through a health power project at FamilyWise Services, home of Prevent Child Abuse Minnesota, with support from the Center for Prevention at Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Minnesota, and the University of Minnesota Extension Family Resilience. You've heard our stories, our experiences, and now we want to hear from you. Tell us what you think in a brief survey by going to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash podcast rr. When you fill out the survey, you will be entered into a drawing for a gift card to Birchbark Books, held monthly through 2022. That's surveymonkey.com forward slash r 
forward slash podcast RR. Chi miigwech.